Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. It's official. The World Cup group stage is set. Costa Rica is the 32nd and final nation to book its place at the biggest show on Earth. And New Zealand, like my Peru, will be watching the action from home despite dominating the bulk of today's FIFA Intercontinental Player Final. And I'm joined by Michael Who, Jonathan Johnson, to analyze the final chapter of the Qatar 2022 qualification campaign. Que Golazo begins right now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Que Golazo. Des Norris, why the hell did you make me say Peru in that intro? I want to try and forget about it. Uh, but we're finalizing everything here as Costa Rica is a 32nd team to make the World Cup. Michael LaHood, how are you, buddy? Uh, I'm uh, actually sleepy after watching that finish to that match, but uh, rejuvenated for this show. Well, it was better than yesterday. All right, Jonathan yeah. Johnson, how are you, sir? Hey there, guys. Doing very well. Thanks. Nice and uh, recharged after a bit of time away. So, uh, no, uh, pretty, uh, I mean, mixed to be back, I guess. <laughs> JJ, I, I saw your photos. You were living. You were living large. Yeah, of course he's mixed. He's having a good time vacationing. I feel you, brother. I feel you had a good time, and you want to keep on rolling. I trust me. I, I can't echo that enough. But hey, it's it's good to see you. Uh, the workhorse that you are, of course. I'm glad that you had a, a good time. And Michael LaHood in the house as well. Welcome, everybody. Costa Rica, they win one nothing against New Zealand. A little bit of controversy, of course, as VAR had to step in, of course, on a disallowed goal from a New Zealand perspective. Uh, the physical New Zealand, the hardworking New Zealand wasn't enough as Kaylar Navas and co. become the 32nd nation. And now we have the World Cup. It's all set, of course. All right, let's talk. We're going to talk about the game. We're going to take a little break. Uh, Jonathan Johnson will update us on some other pieces of information that are going around, and then he'll leave us, and then Michael LaHood and yours truly will wrap things up. And uh, obviously, if you have any questions, drop them in the chat, of course. But Los Ticos, 32nd team, final nation to qualify, the fourth nation from CONCACAF, by the way, of course, uh, that's Canada, Mexico, and the United States men's national team as well. It's their sixth straight World Cup appearance, all since 1990, but they do join a tough group here, Spain, Germany, and Japan in Group E. Michael LaHood, initial reaction from the game itself as Costa Rica wins one nothing. I remember we did the, the preview to this match. I predicted a wild, crazy, beer-filled prediction of 3-0 Costa Rica. It could have easily been 3-1 or 3-0 had they not given up that first goal to Costa Rica. New Zealand, I did not expect Costa Rica. I don't even think Costa Rica expected to get that early goal because they just sat back for much of that first half and for majority of that match. And the goal came from Joel Campbell doing what he does best in that striker role. He pounces on half chances. The goal came really out of nothing. Off a throw-in, the youngster, Bennett, he gets in behind Bill Tuloma, who's not the fastest player, and then across in the box, only one Costa Rica attacker in the box, Joel Campbell. He beats two New Zealand defenders to the ball. I think it was Clayton Lewis and Nando Pinacker to the ball. Hesitation cost New Zealand at the end of the day. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really want to sound like Debbie Downer, but um, I kind of feel like both of these uh, decisive World Cup playoff games have kind of been in the same vein that we've seen in a lot of the Nations League uh, this summer. Mm. Really feels like it came at the worst possible time for all of the teams. You've got all the players who are you know pretty gassed after quite long seasons, some seasons still in activity, obviously, uh, over there in the States and, uh, and elsewhere in North America. And it feels like at times, like there's a lot of these teams who probably could have given more, done better if the timing had been a bit different. Because I mean, you know, just speaking from a personal perspective, having watched France against Croatia in the, the Nations League live last night at Stade de France, you know, that was a World Cup final four years ago. Yet it felt like, you know, it was a, a sort of remedial sort of lower half of the table in like a Ligue 1 or a Premier League match. It was really... Yeah, really, really underwhelming, and unfortunately, I feel like the set we've seen the same, uh, you know, in the in these World Cup uh, playoffs. And I, I think it must be really frustrating, especially for for someone like Edemi, when you've got so much emotion riding on it, and to be able to see that the players can't actually give everything that you know that they're capable of, which you know ultimately is how I feel that. Australia and Costa Rica have managed to, to book their places. I'm not necessarily saying that, uh, you know, uh, New Zealand, you know, perhaps, you know, deserved it more. It's, mm. it, it just feels to me like it wasn't necessarily, you know, a full throw of the dice for, for all of these teams. I think a big thing in that is this is the first time we've seen in these intercontinental playoffs, it's just a one-off. You don't get the benefit of having a home match and playing in front of your fans. And yes, the Peru match in particular, that felt like a home match for Peru. You're playing in the neutral site, a neutral venue with all the cards on the table for all the marbles. And both of these matches, it felt like teams were playing not to lose rather than to win. Costa Rica in particular, once they got that first goal, it was more a matter of let's not screw this up rather than, hey, let's put them to the sword and get that second goal. Yeah. I mean, I think I think as well with Costa Rica, you know, you can see that the the experience that they have, I mean, this is what their third consecutive World Cup now, the experience that they've garnered, uh, you know, in those appearances, you know, it shows through when you've got somebody like a Kalon Navas. I mean, even Joel Campbell, the goal scorer, you know, he's a veteran now of a couple of World Cup appearances. And, you know, that kind of experience, that sort of, uh, you know, seasoned uh, approach to, to squad building, you know, that really pays off in a match like this. Yeah, and honestly, you know, going to Doha for this, I get it. It's like that's where the World Cup's going to be. But it, obviously, it also counters the point of why they didn't want it in the summer in the first place. But OK, these two teams who are trying to make it or these four teams, I'm sorry, that are trying to make it, you know, it doesn't matter. Let's throw them in. And it's, it's a lot to your point, Jonathan Johnson. You know, all these players that traveling back and forth. I mean, mm. Peru, you know, had to train in Lima, then they had to go to Barcelona, then they have to go to Qatar, Australia had to play a game against United Arab Emirates before that, like it's just it's a lot, okay, so to your point about not being a Debbie Nauner, we do have to talk about the realism of everything which is like, it's so many games I know we're going to talk about the Nations League in a second but, you know, it's a lot of matches after a grueling you know, uh, tiring domestic cup campaign so I don't want to take anything away from Costa Rica because well done. Amazing uh, to see them once again at the World Cup. I'm glad to see another Latin American nation in there. And, of course, a fourth CONCACAF nation. That's really fantastic, especially after the emergence of Canada, the United States men's national team, and Mexico as well. So that's great. But, you know, there is something to be said about just how much you have to do 
in order to just continue as a player, not just physically, but mentally as well. Yeah, let's talk about that, Rafa Cardenas. Let's talk about the game itself for a second, Jonathan Johnson. Very quickly, that disallowed goal. Uh, Costa Rica did everything I wanted Peru to do. They just were aggressive, direct, let's hit them quick. And that's exactly what happened. They went one nothing up. But New Zealand equalized, or so they thought. And then the ref had to look at it, and it was a foul, apparently, from a New Zealand perspective, leading up to the Chris Wood goal. What did you make of that, Jonathan Johnson? Yeah, I mean, we seem to have a lot of these incidents these days where you discuss it and you know you've seen them given you've seen them disallowed it's it's really frustrating especially when it plays such a such a decisive role uh you know but but going back to your point as well i you know i think that costa rica they knew exactly what they needed to to do in this game and they just about managed to see it out sometimes fortune favors the brave or you know those who are at least you know best best equipped to to, to deal with uh, this the scenario as it unfolds and they knew exactly what they needed. Maybe that's just a lifetime of being an underdog, certainly in, in World Cup terms. Uh, you know, and, you know, they they, they rode their luck a bit when uh, when they got the decision going in their favor. You know, but otherwise, it was a pretty efficient uh, performance to try and blunt that Kiwi side. That goal, you, you talk about game of inches. That is a goal without VAR, that goal stands. Yeah. And I think it topples Costa Rica over because if you're talking about doing just enough by the skin of your teeth, Costa Rica did just that today. New Zealand on paper, in terms of stats, in terms of just about every other metric you can have in the game, they probably did more to win the game. But it's that quality in the final third that cost them on that goal. Chris Wood finally getting free and getting that touch, getting that what seemed like a goal. And it was a foul at the end of the day. When you wrap your arms around an opponent's leg, you, you can never do that. That's always going to be a foul. And the referee and their crew got it right, I believe. But going further into that match, in the second half, Costa Rica makes the change. Brian Ruiz, the elder statesman, the, the, the Benjamin Button of this team, he just keeps showing up. He keeps playing. I thought he brought a little bit more calm to this Costa Rica team in ways that they didn't have in the first half. And then Borges and a lot of the players, they just look tired. They look leggy. And it was back to rather than playing a 4-4-2 formation, which they opened the game with, they went to a back five. And you know what's going to happen with the Costa Rica team that plays a back five. They're going to absorb pressure, let you have the ball, and have you lump balls into the box. Let Kendall Waston and Kayla Navas come to get the ball. So yeah, I mean, you yeah, go ahead, Jess. Well, I was going to say, uh, you know, um, Mike was saying how leggy this Costa Rica team looks, but then when you consider how old some of the key guys are, mm. like you mentioned, Borges, what, 34? Brian Ruiz, 36. I mean, Brian Oviedo in there at 32. Kendall Watson, Watson at 33 as well. Yeah, yeah exactly. 34. You know, the, for these guys, it's going to be their last hurrah. Kato Navas, 35. I mean, a lot of quality players in there, a lot of experience. But at this stage in the season, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, there's no surprise that they're going to be sort of showing uh, – uh, a few signs of wear and tear, I think. <laughs> yeah, absolutely right. But hey, they got that victory. They're at the World Cup very quickly, by the way, about their chances at the World Cup, by the way. Spain, Japan, Germany, Group E, this is not going to be easy. I mean, to be honest, as we talk about these games, by the way, and these teams, it's June, okay? The World Cup is in November. And I think like our minds are instinctively thinking that the World Cup begins next week. It doesn't. There's still like a beginning of a season to kick off before the World Cup even gets going. But Michael LaHood, their chances at this uh, in this group, it's going to be difficult, surely. 
Oh man, if I'm if I'm the head of the federation, you celebrate the World Cup as if it's happening happening now. This is the biggest win that they're going to have, and maybe the only win that they they have heading to Qatar. I'll put it this way: I would head to Uber or Lyft and just fast forward the pickup from the airport for the entire team after the third game because there's no chance they have no chance i'm saying that nicely they have no chance japan's good too by the way japan they find a way to get to the knockout round they don't sleep on the japanese well well look at this uh uh, though uh michael and jj you jump in after mike but gerardo lopez says uh costa rica finishing second in their world cup group really germany over germany and spain Mm. wow gerardo I want to ask where you're from, Gerardo. That's what I want to know. Mike, what do you think about that? Uh, Well, well, we've seen Costa Rica do the unthinkable in Brazil. Um, That's true. Did the unthinkable. But but these guys were 10 years younger. Yeah, they they had less stubble on their face, you know, much more youth, much more guile and zest. I don't think that's happening. Not a chance. Look at what these other teams are doing. Spain, there's a younger team. In Spain, you have the Gavis, you have Pedri, you have so many, and and Busquets. I mean, just they're they're a really good team, and they're 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 getting better and better. Germany, younger team again. You still have some of your elder statesmen, and the Japanese. You can never sleep on them. I think it's going to be too much to handle. Yeah, and listen, what Jonathan is saying right here, it's right. They have nothing to lose. They go in this and they play, and they're at the World Cup. Fantastic stuff. I I completely agree, Jonathan. But like. Costa Rica does have a job to do at the World Cup. Jonathan Johnson, they still want to get out of the group. So we're just trying to be a little bit realistic here. I'm not taking anything away. They have nothing to lose, 100%. It's just that this particular group is very difficult. I'm I'm rooting for them, of course, but Spain, Germany, Jonathan Johnson, and Japan, who, by the way, are going to shock a few people, I think. Yeah, it's hugely difficult. Uh, I mean, I think maybe if I'm looking at things from like a glass half full uh, instead of being the Debbie Downer for a moment, uh, it's when when you look at the experience Costa Rica has up against teams like Germany and Spain that are going through a bit of a, like a youthful revolution. I mean, Japan as well, if they call upon a lot of the players that were at the Olympics, Costa Rica have them trumped at least in terms of experience. And the thing is, Costa Rica will always be the underdogs in a, in a World Cup group. We've seen that in the past few editions. And when teams underestimate them, that experience shows through and they can be difficult opponents. And I think if the objective is for, for Costa Rica just to prove that there are no pushovers, you know, they don't uh, you know, get embarrassed against any of these teams, they can quite easily turn sort of a narrow loss into a draw. Uh, you know, and perhaps keep things tight going into like, I don't know, maybe the final round of matches. I'm not looking at the the fixtures in order, so I don't know who they start off against. I think the biggest question mark is probably going to be Japan, because if it's the Japan side that we saw at the Olympics in bursts, uh, you know, I think that they can go far. Uh, but also, uh, you know, they have the potential to underwhelm on the international stage from time to time. They, they, they were, they're a really mixed bag. Sometimes you get these crazy performances like we saw against Belgium in the 2018 World Cup. And then you get them really struggling along against a team that you'd expect them to beat. Uh, so Costa Rica, I mean, it might be a last hurrah for for some of these experienced guys. And you don't want to be going up, you know, in sort of like a one-off match scenario against a goalkeeper like a Kalon Navas, uh, you know, when you're trying to score. So, I mean, it, it, honestly, I think if, if Costa Rica can keep things tight defensively, they have the chance to avoid defeats against some of these teams. It's just difficult to see where too many of those goals are going to come from. And I think that Japan match will be absolutely crucial, whatever happens. I think it's going to depend on 
really a handful of players. Kaylor Navas, I'm glad you, you named him. He will have to be up for goalkeeper of the tournament, Golden Glove Award, to see them through. He'll have to play out of his mind. And really, this 1-0 scoreline, this is their recipe for success. If they can frustrate teams, they might, they might even go to a back six. Heck, put a back 19 to keep teams from scoring because that's their only hope when they get in that group. And then in attack, though, realistically, Joel Campbell showing the stuff he's made of. You give him a half chance, he'll punish you. But also, Anthony Contreras, he is a young player that not many people give credit to in CONCACAF. If you've seen him play against the United States national team, he did score one of the two goals in that shock defeat in San Jose. He's a player that's up and coming, and he's a player that could have a surprise World Cup. Yep, 100%. But hey... Costa Rica are at the World Cup. Uh, they join Australia as well. And uh, quickly, JJ, Australia, I mean, France, Denmark, of course, Tunisia. Thoughts on that? It's basically, it's three of the four from 2018. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly think that the, te the, the team that France would be most worried about at the moment is Denmark. When you look at their results over the last 12 to 18 months, Denmark are one of the two or three teams that have beaten them over 90 minutes. In fact, I think it's only two teams that have beaten them over 90 minutes. I was writing about it yesterday, Croatia being the other one, uh, and Switzerland needed extra time and penalties to beat them, obviously, at the Euro not very impressive from France so far, um, So, but I don't think that they will feel that worried coming up against this Australian side. It, it must be galling for you, LME, because I don't feel it's an Australian side really that full of quality. Sure, I mean, you know, Redman is a, is, is a character and, you know, you've got to do what you've got to do in that kind of situation and shit house it up when you're between the sticks. But uh, <laughs> it's honestly, I think. And by the way, FIFA came out with a ruling saying that a goalkeeper can't do that anymore. So thanks for saying it a day later, everybody. Yeah, that's, <laughs> of course it is. Yeah, I think I saw something as well about it. Didn't he pick up the. He, the, he the grabbed Pedro Listen, actually, that's very Peruvian. So I actually yeah. gave, gave my hat off for that one, actually. So, now, listen, I'll just. I'll just tell you this. I'm not going to go into a rant. I, I appreciate it. I've got, I'm getting a lot of messages saying I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. And it's mainly because of Jonathan Johnson's point about how I, I'm not being biased here, but the Peruvian fan base, there is yeah. nothing like it. We go yeah. wherever they go, anywhere. You saw it in Russia. 12,000 appeared in Qatar. Like, I don't even know how we made that happen. I think some of them sold their grandmas, I think, but they made <laughs> it happen. And so that's how much we wanted it. What I saw yesterday and fair play to Australia. I absolutely tip my hat off. 100%. Okay. Australia did what they could do and they got it and they made it to the World Cup. But what I saw from Peru yesterday was the most unrecognizable performance from Peru that I've ever seen. Ever. Like, even when we got killed by Brazil in Copa America, I have never seen that kind of performance. Timid. Shy. Nobody wanted to step up. It was just ridiculous. Yeah. And part of it is what JJ was saying about tired legs and stuff, but... It was also just unrecognizable, unidentifiable from what I saw. And the moment it went to penalties, I'm like, we're not winning this. Mm. And well, it's, I mean, not think, a, yeah. it's not a blame on Pedro Galese. It's just, I just really, you know, he, he was amazing. It's just, I really did not recognize what I saw yesterday. It was amazing. JJ, I know you wanted to jump. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, I was just going to say it also feeds back into your point earlier where you know, it was kind of really illogical, the the choice of the venue for these playoff games, because it's almost like it's challenging, right? The two teams that want it most to, you know, show us and and, and make it through somehow. And that's ultimately what we've got here with mm. Australia and Costa Rica, you know, having to not necessarily fight dirty, but, you know, get into the mud a bit and, you know, finally come out with the with the result between their teeth that it's... Yeah. Uh, 
yeah, I mean, it it is it is galling, uh, but I I feel at this moment in time, it's uh, you know that that will be an achievement for Australia for them, considering where they're at with their generation of talent and sort of 100%. the lack of players coming yeah. through. It's that in itself is an achievement. One hundred percent for yeah. Costa Rica to be there once more with this this golden generation of talent that they have. That's already like a, a success for yeah. for both teams. I think. Yeah. yeah, well said, JJ. I, I think a couple of things for me. The fact that you had really the underdog teams, and Costa Rica, I wouldn't say were the underdogs, but they definitely played like the underdogs through the course of 90 minutes. Really, the two teams you didn't expect to win coming out victorious. I wonder if that's going to end up being the tale of this World Cup, where a lot of the underdogs, because so many factors, the where the the matches are played, the fact that it's, it's such a foreign place, never done before mm. to be in the Middle East, just a lot of players, teams, federations being out of their comfort zones. If you'll see some of the unsung heroes of the World Cup and nations of the World Cup step up. And when I think about this group that Australia now find themselves in, it's, you know, congrats to them. But if you're, if you're a France, if you're a Denmark, if you're a Tunisia, you are breathing a sigh of relief that you're facing Australia instead of Peru. Because Peru on their day, they're a team that are very scary. And, you know, JJ, RJ, Luis, tell me we were gutted for you on the show yesterday. You know, I'm just really glad that um, you didn't do what most people in your shoes would do. And I, I know I'd be tempted to do, which, you know, we were going to call the local NYC uh, PD to look for you at a bar in Manhattan. Uh, <laughs> we, were thinking of, we were thinking of getting Jen on. The well, I told you it was it was my birthday as well. So I was drunk <laughs> yeah. either way. Yeah. But it, it wasn't it wasn't good at all. I mean, yeah, it's it, it, it's tough. It's very difficult. But it, again, it's not because we lost because we're used to losing. It's the manner and the way that we lost that really pisses me off. JJ, I know you had one final point about this. Yeah, I mean, the other thing that I'd say is, well, when you're trying to look at these groups at the moment and these teams that have now just made it in will be looking at their group, it's one thing to look at it right now based in the form that a lot of these teams are in because if you're looking at some of these big teams you're looking at France uh, you know failing to win in four matches England really struggling in their group as well a lot mm. of teams are going to be thinking wow maybe things won't be so bad but mm. also the timing of this World Cup the players are going to be bang in form and in fitness I mean we're almost risking like a really leggy end of the season but we are we have the prospect of this fantastic uh, World Cup in terms of performance and the le the level of fitness that the players are going to be at because it's mid-season. Uh, you know, so some of these tougher teams, if they've got their act together, uh, you know, by the time World Cup swings around, are going to be even tougher to beat than they look on paper. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, a word of warning to everybody, though. It's June and there's a long time for November and this uh, narrative can change a lot, but it's a very good point. And I, actually, it's what we've said before on this show about this World Cup. The the margin between like the favorites and sort of your second tier is the thinnest it's ever been, ever, I think. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. All right, well, Jonathan Johnson has to leave us, of course. You know, it's late for him. He is in Paris, but we have some French news, Jonathan Johnson. Mm. Talk about a Tuesday dump. Uh, what's the latest here with uh, Bordeaux, who were relegated already from Liga, and you thought... Well, that would be it, but that's not the case. What's going on? Yeah, I'm just uh, glad that the DNCG, which is the French footballing financial watchdog, let me enjoy the last few days of my holiday before absolutely <laughs> setting fire to the French footballing landscape. Where we've got Bordeaux, who were relegated on the pitch to Ligue 2, 
who have been provisionally relegated to the third tier, which is the semi-professional level uh, in France because of their bad situation financially. They do have seven days to appeal uh, against that, and they already have stated that they will. But it's a really, really sticky situation. Bordeaux's finances have been really messy now for a couple of years. Uh, it was always going to be uh, you know, uh, a, a question of whether they could pass the financial exams if and when they got relegated, or it was more when, uh, you know, I think everyone accepted a few years ago it was probably going to happen. Uh, and, you know, Bordeaux have been lucky in a way as well because they've been thrown a financial lifeline by Chuamani's move to Real Madrid, which earned them a percentage. They oh, could benefit right, yeah. further if Koundé moves from Sevilla uh, at some point this summer. Uh, but there is a feeling as well that they almost based a lot of their survival strategy around that, given that Koundé's move has been delayed now by, uh, you know, some minor surgery. Uh, and suddenly, uh, you know, Bordeaux now don't have the money or don't have mm. this this money that they expected to have. So we'll see how that plays out in the next week or so. But worrying times that we have them, you know, potentially dropping down to the third tier. And then you've got Saint-Étienne, who are now part of an investigation into both them and Angers uh, with some potential wrongdoing from uh, some French registered agents. So we'll see how that plays out. By the sounds of it, it relates to three transfers, uh, possibly all between Saint-Étienne and Angers. I mean, I'll, I'll clear this up more once we know everything that's all the finer details of it, but Saint-Étienne have confirmed that they were visited by the authorities. So, you know, these are worrying times for, for French football, two massive institutions of the domestic game, uh, you know, both already outside of the the, the elite tier uh, and then suddenly getting involved in this kind of stuff. Saint-Étienne as well, it comes at a crucial time because you've got Blitzer trying to buy the club as well. Uh, you know, so it is very, very, uh, you know, dark times for, for French football and some of the more traditional powers. But I guess on the bright side of things, you've got Kobe Henry uh, moving from Orange County SC and uh, USL to uh, Stade de Reims for a, a record fee for the USL. So that's mm. a bit of a positive, and I've got something coming up on that later this week. Well, let's hope uh, they don't ruin him, right? The French uh, football. <laughs> Fingers <laughs> crossed. On, I mean, to be honest, he's in a fantastic place for the champagne, at least. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I went to a wedding there, and it's amazing. I love it so much. It's uh, well, Jonathan Johnson, uh, fantastic stuff from you. Of course, don't forget to follow JJ at John underscore le gossip uh, i saw your pictures uh, from your holiday at least you had a good time and now you know back to work but hey no rest for the wicked jonathan johnson uh, just let's just keep hoping villa get some more uh, key players this summer and that'll make us happier huh yeah, fingers crossed. I mean, I, I was lucky that not too much news broke uh, while I was away. I was I had my fingers crossed every day that PSG wouldn't be sacking Pochettino just yet. There wouldn't be a development on whether Zinedine Zidane's coming or Christophe Galtier, you know, so we'll we'll see. I, was, I, I got kind of lucky that it was only Luis Campos who was announced by PSG, but expect some more movement on that front as well. So yeah, just as well, I'm back from my holiday now. All right. Well, Jonathan Johnson, good to have you, my friend. Take care, buddy. Always a pleasure to have you. That's JJ. JJ, thank you, buddy. All right, everybody. You, we are going to take a break when we come back. Uh, Mike LaHood and I, I guess we'll just give a little bit of a rundown regarding the World Cup itself and some other permutations regarding the game itself because JJ brought up a very good point, Michael, about the Nations League and how some of these teams look tired, man. Oh, they just yeah. look tired so we're going to talk about that for a bit but we'll take a break we'll come back uh recap everything and that will be it Mike LaHood, LME, JJ earlier we'll be right back okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. What's up, everybody? Que golazo! Mike LaHood and me in the house. The 32 are set for the World Cup. Hey, Michael, real quick. Uh, yeah. We're always thinking about the power rankings at the World Cup. They're going to keep changing almost every week. I know that I've got to go on HQ and give mine tomorrow morning. Uh, Brazil remains the favorite to me. But after that, things have changed for me. So I'm wondering mm. with you now, as you're looking at the World Cup and thinking about it, I know it's not till November. Everybody calm down. We're just having some <laughs> fun here with the power rankings. But, you know, we're looking at the Nations League and all these matches and it's been ridiculous. I mean, JJ was talking about France not looking good. England, by the way, just reading here, you know, first of all, they're like trailing to Hungary. Uh, Maguire came in and there were booze all over the stadium. There's mm. a lot of things going on. Let, let, your power rankings, World Cup right now, have they changed a little bit since, uh, we, you know, everything first came out and we, we started discussing? Uh, I, I'm not really. I think because I put the asterisks on when these matches are being played. But, you know, in a way. Who's your one? My one Brazil. Okay. Hands down. So we're in two, agreement there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Two Argentina. Two Argentina. And I agree yeah. with you as well. I'm going to yeah, say that's more than And that's new for me because they were for who's third? Third, I've got a good feeling about them, Spain. Okay. And fourth? Yeah. Fourth, you know what? They didn't look great in their last match that they played against Wales, but Belgium. Belgium. Yeah. Because they did kill Poland before that, right? Oh, they were like smash. all over them. Yeah. Yeah. So it hasn't changed. That's been the same for yeah. you the whole time? Yeah, just about. Well, I would, done, I would friend. yeah, just about consistency. Look, look, you got you got, you got to know, like you said, you play the long game with some of these teams. Now, if they're playing these matches under normal circumstances, or you know where we're usually seeing them played, I mean, these guys, it's like survival of the fittest. The fittest teams, the fittest players, and really the players who give a damn at this point are the ones who are going to win these matches. Hungary have way more to play for than the English players do after a grueling Premier League season. They, they're, England's playing with a target on their back. You're going to see some teams take some lumps. France, there's so much you know, competition in, the, in between that team, so many transfers happening with some of these French players. It's so hard to stay focused. I wouldn't look too much into these score lines. Now, if they're happening in September, watch out if you're a team that's getting beat. Yeah, you know what? I know I wouldn't look at And everybody, throw in me, give me your power rankings, everybody watching. Your top four, what do, what do you think? We've got a few comments already coming in regarding their power rankings as well. But I would love to hear them because I'm going back and forth. Literally, as Michael was talking, I'm changing mine. Uh, Rafa thinks Spain, Brazil, England. Of course, uh, England, man, England worries me. Not because of their talent, but Gareth Southgate. I, I, I get it. They went to the finals in year 2020. They actually did pretty well in Russia as well until... You know, they lost late on as well. But there's something about, I've always said this, England's biggest enemy is England themselves. And it's kind of showing that right now. But I'm looking at Germany right now, man. Ooh, the and Hansi Flick has them rocking. 5-1 yeah. against Italy right now. And Italy just got one because Germany thought they'd just chill for a second. <laughs> 
So I might mm-hmm. change mine. My, you want to hear mine? But, yeah, Brazil. I was going to ask you, who, who are yours? Yeah, Brazil. Brazil one. number one. Brazil number one. I'm sorry. Okay. I, I've been yeah. sticking that for a long time. Okay. Argentina. My God. I, my, my only worry was Scaloni has never managed the World Cup. Throw that out the window. Doesn't no. matter. Like, he's ready. I think Argentina yeah, yeah, yeah. are number two for me. Three. I'm going to put Germany in there. Ooh. Ger- wow. I'm telling you right now, Hansi yeah. Flick has got them rocking once again. And I know it's just June, and I know it's just Nations League, but they can only go up. They can only keep developing. They're not going to regress. That's the great thing about the Germans. They just keep learning and getting better and better. Mm. So they're my three. And now I battle between England and France. Oh, geez, I forgot about the French in my rankings. I know. And yes, uh, you know, learning videos by Nick Hill. By the way, if you want to learn videos, learn videos by Nick Hill. So thank you very much for for that video. But England will be ready. I agree, by the way. I think there's still a long way to go. But Gareth Southgate's management, he's a good manager. I'm not knocking him off. But they haven't won anything since 1966. The killer instinct worries me. Is that okay? Who do you have here? Uh, is Zach? Is that Isaac? Is Al? Yeah. Apologies if I get it wrong. Eli Gardner, Brazil, Argentina. Yeah, we're we're there. And a dark horse like Belgium, a dark old horse, right? Let's not yeah. forget uh, they're a little aging, but their group, their group kind of favors them, I think, as well. I'm not sure. Do we remember that group? Uh, yeah, I think it's uh, is it Morocco, Canada, and Morocco. That uh, yeah, is it Morocco? There's an Canada? African team there for sure. It's Morocco, and is it? And Croatia. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, Croatia. I mean, oh, they're you know. tricky, tricky yeah. customers. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, so so you can see everybody that basically the conversation right now is about, you know, we're going with what's hot, what's not right now, but it's also about development, and that's why I have the Germans pretty high up mm. because they're only gonna get better, they're only going to improve, and Hansi Flick is a very good manager, and I actually think he's made for international football. So I've got them a little higher up. So the battle is between. Who is going to learn from their mistakes? Didier Deschamps and France mm. or Gareth Southgate and England? And at this point, I don't know. I'll, I'll probably go with France right now. I want to go with England because they're my second team. Obviously, I have a soft spot for them. But Gareth Southgate's limitations, I tweeted it once. I said that Gareth Southgate manages like how he used to play. Very smart. <laughs> very smart. Very reactive defender sort of seize the pitch, but that's it. There's no gambling. There's no adventurous thinking. Yeah. There's no gung-ho-ish sort of like that grit. And that England doesn't have that. Very, a lot of pretty patterns, a lot of talent, but where is your killer instinct? And it's unbelievable to me that you don't have it. And sometimes his selections are a bit weird, oh. Michael. I, I don't know if you agree or not. Oh, I, I, to- I 100% agree. And I, I think if... He doesn't get caught up in the the media battle of who should play, who shouldn't. That's always been just the bane of every English manager's existence. Is you have to, you're battling more than just the opponent on the field. You're battling the expectation for the entire nation and the expectation in the words of the media. By this point in his tenure, if he just puts the players really that are based on chemistry. He'll get the best out of this team and also be willing to play young players over certain mainstays. I think of the likes of it. I love Phil Foden. I love Harry Kane. Yeah. Look at what that combination looks like. And don't just put players on the field to get your best players on. That's that's that can oftentimes only get you so far. Chemistry at the end of the day goes further than just a bunch of individuals on the eleven. Hungary just beat England for nothing, by the oh, way. Oh, crap. John Stones hey, with a red baby. card as well. Throw, I'm the not... ba- throw the baby. There's no hope. Yeah. I take it back. There's no I, hope. 
I just know. I just don't know. <laughs> Jerry <laughs> likes my idea from this morning when I said that uh, I was talking to Fabrizio Romano how every team that didn't make the World Cup, let's just go to St. Thomas or, you know, a, a team like uh, in the or an, or an island in the Caribbean and just bring all the nations that didn't make it to the World Cup. Peru, Colombia, Italy, Egypt. I Sierra mean, Leone, yeah, Nigeria. Yeah, let's bring on Sierra Leone. Why not? On, let's have it. Jamaica, let's have a fun party. I think that would be that would be so <laughs> we're, we're in charge of the star beer. You know, yeah, you haven't lived until you had star. We'll deal with the food, I think. Uh all right, but everybody, no, not Russia. There's no no, no. Mm. come on now. <laughs> Staying away from that. Yes, Norris. My God. Hungary wins four nothing wow. against England. Do the double. By the way, at Molyneux Stadium, so just don't go to uh don't go anywhere near Birmingham, basically, for that. That's ridiculous. Uh, but this is what happens when you don't pick Aston Villa players, by the way. All right. So the power rankings, I think, uh, were kind of similar in the top, and then it's towards the bottom. That is an issue. All right. Aside from that, before we say goodbye, Michael LaHood, some news. Uh, Darwin Nunez officially announced Erling Haaland yesterday. Some good uh, – we've said that it's going to be the summer of strikers yeah. This summer from Fabrizio Romano, Sadio Mane reportedly getting closer to Bayern Munich. We have to see about that, which also means about Lewandowski going to Barcelona. There's a lot of action going on. Is there something specifically that you're keeping your eyes on regarding this summer about a major acquisition that's either A, already happened or B, about to happen? I, I'm keeping an eye on some of the players that haven't been announced yet because of one, they're thinking about their families. I'm thinking of Angel Di Maria. Mm -hmm. He could be a massive hit. He still has plenty of football in his left boot in Europe. And there's talk about maybe a potential return to Argentina. He's waiting to see what his family says. I think I expect him to stay in Italy. It'll be a big loss for European football if he goes back to Argentina. Big win for domestic football if he returns. Marcelo as well. On his day, the Brazilian left back, when he's not at the beach barbecuing it up or at his house, he's a baller. And I'd love to see him really close out his individual career in style somewhere else outside of Madrid. It'll be weird to see him in different colors. But, you know, at the end of the day, the story is all about the strikers. Once one domino falls, the rest start to fall into place. The fact that Holland and Nunez already set out their stalls. Mane, I do not expect him to stay at Liverpool now. The fact that they brought in Nunez. And it'll be interesting to see what happens. Should we see Lewandowski at Barcelona? Just players playing in different leagues. It's going to be an exciting summer. Yeah, the latest is that Bayern Munich made a third bid, so they're dealing there for Sadio Mane. And Sadio Mane, don't forget, played for Borussia Dortmund, so like he likes life in Germany reportedly as well. And then Lewandowski, personal terms have already been settled with Barcelona. It's just about agreeing the finances, and we know that that's a big, tall order for, of course, Barcelona. All right, well, listen, everybody, that was it. That was our show. Thank you so much for being part of the family. We're on TikTok now, by the way, Michael. Ooh, Did you know? All the kids TikTok need to it. know we're on TikTok now. <laughs> and apologies, Mane played for Leipzig. Yeah, not I was about to say, I don't remember Dorman. Dorman, Thank yeah. you for the correction, Des Norris. I don't want anybody to yell at me. Uh, I don't what? need it this week. That's for damn sure. But we're on TikTok, Michael. How cool is that? Oh, it's awesome. That means uh, my youngest brother is probably going to be tuned in any time now. He's a TikTok king. At Kegolazo Pod, the, the first video was uh, Fabrizio Romano talking about Gaga Slonina and how Chelsea is reportedly leading the race in that one, which is intriguing as well. But we're on TikTok as well. We've got plenty of YouTube action as well. More World Cup content will come your way. And by the way, later this week, we will be discussing the cities that are selected for the World Cup in 2026. That's going to be 
massive, very, very big. So stay tuned for that. At Mike LaHood, at LMHGRI. Mike, before we say goodbye, final thoughts, buddy? Oh, man, it's been one heck of an international break. I've loved every second of it, and there's still some games left. I think of CONCACAF in particular. The Nations League is the league that never ends. It's like the never-ending story. Remember that movie? I used to love that movie. Don't really love the fact that Nations League still keeps going on. Can't wait for these players to get a break, but the international break has definitely not failed to deliver. Yeah, absolutely right. Mike LeHu, thank you so much. Don't forget to follow us. Kegolasso pod on Twitter, youtube.com forward slash Kegolasso. We're already at 12.2 subscribers. Let's keep Ooh. that growing. We're on TikTok as well. We're taking over, baby. Kegolasso never stops. So make sure to keep on following, spread the word, like, and subscribe. Have a great rest of your week, and we will see you next time. Till then. Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Ha! Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount Plus. Yes!